What's up and welcome to the Single Player Experience. I'm your host Sebastian Malden and today we got a dope show for you. Joining me for this episode is the incredibly talented content creator Lit Unplay. Lit Unplay is a Twitch streamer and a YouTuber who specializes in video game reviews. He dives in and lets you know if video games are literally unplayable. In this episode, Lit Unplay and I are talking about the underrated indie game Beacon Pines and Lit is going to give you his recommendations for some other indie games that you should check out. We've got all this and more on this episode of the Single Player Experience. DJ, start the intro. This is the Single Player Experience, the podcast that helps single player gamers manage their video game backlog. I'm your host, Sebastian Malden, and my main quest is to help you manage your ever-growing video game backlog by letting you know which single-player games are worth your time and money so that you can have the best single-player experience. Now, without further ado, let's start the show. DJ, cut the beat. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce today's guest. He is a video game reviewer. He does a video game series where he talks about how playable games are. He is a Twitch streamer. He's a YouTuber. He's a dope overall nerd. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is the one, the only, Lit Unplay. Lit, how you doing? Woo! I am very excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. All right, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to give you the larger than life intro. I was like, <laughs> I was feeling it though. Cause I, at first, like when I was doing the intro, I was just like, no, that's not enough. Like that's not enough <laughs> for how excited I am. So like, I had Listen, to, like, I am just as excited, very, very excited <laughs> to be here. And that intro was phenomenal. I was eating up every second of it. Man, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for, so for the people who don't know you, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. My name is Alfredo. That is my mm -hmm. real life name. But online, I go by Literally Unplayable or Lit Unplay for mm -hmm. short. I started my channel Literally Unplayable uh, around the time the pandemic started. So about two years uh, back in like, I want to say like June of 2020. And the whole idea was I wanted to find video games and kind of review them, discuss them and focus on what makes a game literally unplayable, right? Anything from just a minor inconvenience to, oh, that was kind of annoying to game-breaking issues. Uh, a friend of mine was the one who encouraged me. He's like, dude, you're really funny. You have that gift for video editing and whatnot. So you should totally like start a YouTube channel, make videos. And then, you know, one thing led to the other and I ended up streaming. And now it's, it's a whole thing. I, I have my own like little presence in my own corner of the internet. That's really dope. <laughs> so which side do you like more? Do you like the YouTube side of things or the streaming side? I think, you know, both of them have their pros and cons, right? Mm -hmm. I really enjoy watching a video that I've put together once it's already done, getting mm -hmm. to see the final product and just thinking like, oh, I remember struggling with that little thing and not knowing how I was going to get something done and seeing it come together. is just so satisfying. And I watch videos that I've posted like two years ago, like I'll rewatch them today. And it's like, oh my gosh, that looks so cool. <laughs> um, but I also really enjoy the streaming side of things. You know, I get to slowly build a community. I get to interact with people on the spot as we're either discussing something, playing a video game together. And I've had some really, really neat experiences while streaming. So I think I'm going to go with streaming. I think I do okay. enjoy that most. Okay, okay. That kind of surprised me because you started off, I was like, oh, he's picking <laughs> he's picking the YouTube side of things, but he turned it around on me. So I did. Lit. I'm all got, full of surprises. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. So Lit, I got to ask you, for all my first-time guests, we do a segment called Putting You on the Spot where I ask each one of my first-time guests, what's their favorite five video games of all time? 
you're a first time guest here. You're no exception to the rule. I got to <laughs> hit you. I got to hit you with the question. So what is your top favorite games of all time? All right. I'm going to give them to you in reverse order. Okay. <clears throat> After okay. I clear my throat. Yeah. You, you know, know, we got to build up. We got to build up some anticipation. Okay. Okay. Some people are scared <laughs> to do the challenge. Some people say oh. like, oh, I can't name, like I can't do an order. <laughs> you're going all in though. Yes, I am. I like it's that. actually, it's funny because I've actually put some thought into that and I actually have a list. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the GT app. Mm-hmm. So I actually have a list of my top 30 favorite video games of all time. So top five is not that that hard to think of. Okay, okay. So um, well, let's go. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So number five, I got to give it to The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. Okay. Love The Legend of Zelda. And Twilight Princess with that darker storyline and more realistic graphics was just like everything I needed out of a Zelda game. Number four, we're going to go with The Last of Us Part 1. Yeah, phenomenal game. One of the greatest stories I've ever experienced in any video game. Mm-hmm. Gameplay is majestic and Naughty Dog just knows what they're doing for sure. Specifically the remake, the one that just came out for the PS5. Oh, that part graphical, one. Yeah, mm-hmm. that graphical overhaul was just beautiful. Like the game itself was perfect and giving it that graphical overhaul with a couple of new mechanics was just like Chef's kiss. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Number three, we are gonna go with Hollow Knight. All you know, right. We gotta gotta put some indies in there. You know, the mm-hmm. indies are basically carrying my channel and my streaming at this point. <laughs> so I I love me some indie games, and Hollow Knight was just a phenomenal, beautiful experience that I had never experienced with an indie game, and it just made me really fall in love with Metroidvanias, and that's kind of like my go-to indie genre now because of Hollow Knight. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number two goes to Sekiro: Shadows Die Twice. Sekiro, oh, okay. I am a huge From Software guy. Like, mm-hmm. if we're not talking indies, I'm most likely playing action adventure RPGs, and okay. my go-to is From Software games. And Sekiro, you know, Dark Souls was great. Bloodborne was phenomenal. Elden Ring is really, really good. But there was something so unique and amazing about Sekiro and its uh, deflect system and just its general combat that I gobbled it up. I was like, this is phenomenal. Okay. You know, and if if you talk to anybody in my channel, they'll tell you, oh, yeah, Sekiro is his favorite game. But in reality, there's actually one other game that I put <laughs> okay. above Sekiro. I'm and excited. That, what is it? And that to me is a Nier Automata. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I That game came into my life around a time where I was having some troubles in life. You know, there was a lot of self-doubt, almost like imposter syndrome with life in general. And just a lot of, you know, not good things going on in life. I had a lot of questions about basically questioning our existence. Like, what are we doing as a species? Like, why am I here? Like, you know, not to get super real on the podcast. But, <laughs> no, it's all good. But, you know, all of these questions of like, almost like a self-identity crisis. Mm-hmm. And that game's story was so profound. It was so good at telling the story. And it just hit me on a way that no video game has ever hit me on story alone. It was just so well-crafted. It's such a powerful story. And it helped me through this time. It helped me answer a lot of questions, or at least guide me in the direction of thinking on how to answer these questions. In terms of gameplay, the gameplay is amazing. Um, Similar to games like Devil May Cry, Bayonetta, Mm -hmm. Action Adventure, RPG. Really, really clean combat. The music, but I think that has to be the greatest part of the game. The music alone is top tier. It's really it's good. phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I will die on this hill. There is no video game out there with a better soundtrack than Nier Automata. Whoa, man! You're dropping some bombs. Like you, you can some you can bombs. quote me. We said it here. It's here. I said it. You know, oh, come at wow. me, <laughs> man. Because I'm like, 
I haven't like done a concise list, but immediately I was like, man, Persona 5 has a banger soundtrack. And I was like, yes, I agree. Persona 5 has a phenomenal soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of the game mm-hmm. per se, but I, I will agree. The soundtrack is beautiful, but I still think that Nier Automata is far superior to it. I can respect that. I can respect that. <laughs> I will I'd like before I go on to like the rest of the show, though, I got to ask you. So is it the soundtrack as a whole or is there one like song that you think is like superb that kind of like is like the highlight of the soundtrack? I think the whole soundtrack as a whole, like the entirety of it Mm -hmm. works phenomenal uh, for the story bits, you know, the emotional moments, like, you know, the music just hits right to reflect the current mood of what's happening on screen. Mm -hmm. But both uh, Weight of the World and Song of the Ancients are really good ones. Phenomenal pieces of music. And one of, one of the really, really cool things about the soundtrack for Automata is that composer, I, I forget her name, but she created basically a whole new language just to fit some of these songs. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Weight of the World has English version and Japanese version, but then they created this thing called Chaos Language, which is supposed to be this mix of like Irish, Gaelic, French, and like, almost like Spanish too, like all combined. And what they imagined this mix of languages would sound like 10,000 years into the future. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just, just the idea, like how many video game OSTs do you know that created a whole language just to make a different version of a song? That, <laughs> yeah, that, that was mind-blowing to me. And I just think the, the OST is superb. Like Keiichi Okabe, the composer, mm-hmm. that, guy, that guy just knows what he's doing. Anything he touches for video game music is just like straight heat. Okay. Okay. I got you. I got you. I like that. I like that. So you have a reviewer's mind. We can already tell you are articulating those <laughs> words perfectly. Let's segue into some of you, like what you do in, as far as reviewing games. How did that, how did that come to start? Like, how did you get started reviewing games? So going back to the origins of my channel, right? Like a friend of mine, we were playing big games and we're like, oh my gosh, this game has so many issues. You know, somebody should <laughs> uh, hunt showdown. Okay, okay. Yeah. So we, we started playing that game like the week it came out. And, uh-huh. you know, it was still in early access and whatnot. But we were like, this is bad. <laughs> like, there's a lot of game-breaking issues. There's a lot of, like, bad decisions. And my friend was like, somebody should complain about this. Someone needs to say something about this. And I was like, well, why don't I do it? So the first thing, you know, it's funny that I, I mentioned Hunt Showdown, but I've never actually reviewed the game. The idea originated with Hunt Showdown, but we actually, the first thing I reviewed was actually The Last of Us Part 2, which is coincidentally also the first game that I ever streamed. Well, where did you fall on it? So, okay. I think Part 1 is better than Part 2. Mm-hmm. I don't think Part 2 is a bad game. I really, really like Part 2. But I think there's a few issues with the story and the pacing of the story. Okay. Um, I'm right there with you. Yeah. I, I, I think Abby... Abby's side of the story felt a little pointless and Abby's sudden change of personality towards the end of the game felt so unearned. Mm-hmm. I I don't think it was just I don't think it was justified her sudden like, oh, I don't want to be evil and kill people. I want to be nice and forgive people. It just it I I was like it was not earned. Let me ask you like I, and so I have a theory and I haven't really spoken to this on my channel yet, but like I was all like I have a theory on The Last of Us. Would you have liked The Last of Us Part 2 more story-wise if, like, we had... You you played Miles Morales? Yeah. Or, yeah, like, 
you know, if we had a Miles Morales side size of like a Last of Us game that was in between Last of Us one mm. and, and two, where it just focuses on Abby, where you got to know her, like we didn't have any context. You just got to know that character. Yeah. Do you think the game would have hit harder if we got like that whole like prologue that we actually got to experience in The Last of Us Part Two as a like its own standalone kind of thing? I I definitely think so. Um I think the big issue with playing as Abby and wanting the player to feel that remorse, right? Because, you know, we see Abby, um, you know, spoilers for anybody who hasn't played <laughs> yeah. the last of us part two. We see Abby kill Joel. That's basically like one of the first things we see Abby do. Mm-hmm. And then we play as Ellie. And at some point, you know, we go back in time and we play through Abby's section. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of that, in my opinion, was to get the player to sympathize with Abby and understand how much, you know, obviously she loved her father and losing her father was a, a big hit for her. But the issue to me was that, you know, no matter what kind of character development, no matter what you did with Abby, the first thing that we see from her is her There's killing Joel. the character yeah. that we spent hours with in the first game, that we fell in love between him and Ellie and their relationship. So it's really hard to want to redeem a character when the first thing you do is have them kill the character that you love. Yeah. Now, if they had done something like Miles Morales, you know, they say they did The Last of Us Part 1.5, right? Mm-hmm. And we got to play as Abby. You know, maybe before Joel shows up to the hospital and kills her dad, or yeah. even after that, as Abby's journeying to find Joel, but we don't, but we're not told what she's doing or who she's hunting down. But we just get to experience her story isolated from the events of The Last of Us Part 1. Mm-hmm. I think that would have helped the players develop a relationship with Abby, get invested in the character and interested in it. And then when we get to part two, you know, you have Abby kill Joel. But now it's like you're emotionally conflicted because you like Joel as a character, but you also spend the whole game playing as Abby. So now it's yeah. like, oh, my gosh, like, what? A, how do I feel? What am I doing? And I think, I think that, that would have been more powerful. Yeah, that could have worked. That really could have worked. I So let's talk about like some of the other games you were reviewing, though. Like, what have you reviewed recently? So the last thing that I reviewed was uh, Beacon Pines. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Phenomenal indie game, which was actually a huge surprise for me. I did not, you know, if I had read what that game was on paper, I would have been like, ah, this is not something for Mm -hmm. me. Visual novels have never seemed interesting to me. And the fact that this indie visual novel caught my attention the moment I saw it announced was really intriguing for me. And, you know, at first it looked like a cute, fun little game, you know, all happy story. And it's like, oh, okay, whatever. And then you start playing it and you're like, oh, shit. And shit goes down. It really yeah. does. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. I remember, so like, so I had the creator, Matt, on the show where we talked about him. and I saw that video. Oh, thanks. Well, like, uh, yeah, where he and I kind of like dove into what he thought of the game and like the process of making the game. But like, I am so surprised that that started off as an RPG. Like it was an RPG that he was making and then he kind of pivoted to this. And the fact that like the art style, the music and everything kind of creates this really cozy vibe to where it makes it feel like this is going to be just a Winnie the Pooh kind of game. And then it just (laughs) completely turns on the head and you're like, oh, no, shit gets crazy. This is almost close to horror genre. Yeah, yeah, borderline. Are you a fan of anime? Do you watch anime? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Chainsaw Man, let's go. Let's go. Bleach, Bleach coming back on Monday? Oh, my goodness. On Disney Plus and Hulu, I'm so excited. 
I can't. I have been waiting since the anime ended. Mm-hmm. You know, back in like, I forget the year, but I've been waiting for a good chunk of time for Bleach to come back. So I am very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, Favorite character, though, real quick. Oh, Aizen. Oh, Easy. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was uh, seeing him. Uh, did you read the manga for it? I did not. Like, I'm oh, going okay. into this, like, I know nice. mo- roughly about the Quincy's, but like, I okay. I only know like surface level. I'm not like deep into okay. like the war Perfect. or anything. Mm-hmm. And I will not say anything, but you <laughs> will love it. But yeah, speaking of anime, when I started playing Beacon Pines, the first mm-hmm. thing that came to mind was um, Made in Abyss. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Made in Abyss was one of those animes that looked cute, uh, adventure You know, these kids diving into this hole in the ground. And it's like, okay, cute adventures. And, you know, you get halfway through the first season and it's like, what the heck is going on? Like, <laughs> it, it hits the fan really quickly. And that's exactly how I felt with Beacon Pines. Cute little story at the beginning. You know, characters, art style looks cute and all. And then you start getting into it and it's like, there's something oh, for sure. borderline horror going on here. For sure. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you the moment the game turned for me. Like, it was when you are, like, when you're hiding in the dumpster. And that moment where you realize you grab something and it's not quite what you thought it was. And then you see what it is. And then, yeah. like, yeah, I completely, like, oh. This is a completely different game. And then, then I, spoiler alert, I died. And <laughs> the, narr- the narrator, you know, like, is, by yeah. the way, perfect job by the narrator. I think that's my favorite character is the the narrator and how she, like, illustrates, like, despair and all of her emotions while, like, telling that journey. Oh, it's fantastic. 100% and, agree. Yeah. Fantastic. She did an amazing job with just, like, conveying the emotions mm-hmm. of, you know, being happy, despair of being upset that that's mm-hmm. not how she wanted the story to end. It was just phenomenal. So did you play through the entire <clears throat> game? I did. I played through every single branch and God, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I got every ending. Okay. Um, I haven't gotten back to get every single achievement yet, but I, I do intend to at some point. See, I'm a little bit of a different beast. Like I love achievements, but it really, I really have to be enticed to go back and like hunt after achievements. So this yeah. one is a game that, while I love, it's also a narrative-focused game to where, like, I got all the narrative substance out of the game. So I don't know if I'm going back to it. That's actually one of the things that I mentioned in my review. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is probably the game's weakest aspect. But I think that's just the, the nature of visual novel games. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of, you know, unless you pair the visual novel side with, like, a RPG or some, like, fun gameplay mechanic, it's kind of hard to get somebody to come back and have them sit through the story that they already know the beats to. Mm-hmm. So as a reviewer, who, and you are, you know, getting games, uh, sometimes on the early side, sometimes you're playing games at the same time everyone else is. What's your mindset going into it as a reviewer? Because I'm also like, <laughs> I'm also like uh, very much like starting off in the review world as well. Yeah. Like I've, you know, probably reviewed maybe close to like 15 to 30 games so far. So nice. very early on in that. Yeah, but like, yeah, it is that mindset. You really have to kind of like be in it to kind of do this. So yeah. how do you start your process? So um, I try to, you know, first of all, I try to just jump into the game with like no research, no anything. I want to get like as genuine as a reaction as I can oh. out of the experience, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll, I'll boot up the game. I'll hit record to get gameplay. Normally, I also record my microphone to... Mm-hmm. You know, go back and listen, like, how did I react? How did I initially feel about this particular aspect of the game? But yeah, for 
for the first time, the like the first playthrough, I try to just experience the game, right? I try to like turn off the review brain. Like I'm not trying to think like, oh, I'm gonna use this clip and like explain this part of the plot this way. Like I try to just think of it like I just want to experience the game first. And normally, you know, that's what I do. I'll go through the entire game, play as much of it until I'm satisfied. And then once I'm like, okay, I'm done. Now I got to start thinking in terms of review. Because that way, I feel like I keep myself from uh, looking at segments of the game and making judgments based off not the whole picture. But once I have the full picture, it's like I can dissect it piece by piece. And typically what I end up doing is I'll talk about the story. I'll talk about the gameplay, the music and the art, the replayability. And then the last thing I talk about is the unplayability, which uh, trademark pending. Uh, it's uh, kind of like my own little thing where I devote a section of the review to talk about like, you know, inconveniences and unplayability, as I call it. I got you. I got you. So like what's been some of your favorite reviews that you've done so far? I really, really enjoyed making my review for Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, I love that game. Such a good game. It was such a good game. Beautiful open world with so much to do and explore. The combat was phenomenal. Like I'm a sucker for anything that you know has uh, samurai. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of like my aesthetic, right? Like samurai sword fighting and anything that has a good deflection system when it comes to sword play. Mm-hmm. I like that's it. I love that kind of stuff. So I love the game. And when I was putting the review together, you know, it was the first review that I recorded uh, footage for in 4K. So mm-hmm. it just looked prettier. The game itself looked gorgeous. So it was just a, it was really nice to put it together. And I had a lot of good ideas coming off of my Last of Us uh, Part 2 review. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of like neat ideas for like visual effects and like how I wanted to present things. And I really enjoyed the progress I made from the Last of Us Part 2 review to this one. I'm also a huge uh, JoJo fan. Like, yeah. I love <laughs> JoJo uh, Bizarre Adventure. And my thing is, that in every review that I do, I put a little JoJo reference in it. Okay. Last of Us Part 2 had one for the To Be Continue from Part 2. Ghost of Tsushima, I actually did the whole you're approaching me conversation between (laughs) Dio and Jotaro with uh, Ghost of Tsushima, an instance where you do the quick draws. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was the greatest cinematic masterpiece that I've ever put together. If you haven't checked that out, you should totally check that. Specifically that part out. I love that. And like, I'll rewatch that every now and then. And I'm like, this is pure genius right there. <laughs> <laughs> I hype myself up, you know? Mm-hmm. That's good. It's good, really good. Yeah. And you got something you can flex now. Yeah. <laughs> you got it's like, good. oh, you see that? I did that. Mm-hmm. That was me. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So what are your like, okay, so you've been re- reviewing games since 2020. What was your game of the year for last year, for 2021? 2021. Oh, man. 2021 is kind of a weak year for video games. It was. It was. If I recall correctly, It Takes Two was the game of the year, right? Uh, yeah, for the, the Game Awards. Show. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. for the Game Awards. I think my pick for Game of... Well, first of all, I was kind of... Okay, so, so here's what happened. I just had the whole thing happen in my mind. Um, my Game of the Year, which I was really upset wasn't even nominated for Game of the Year in 2021, was Returnal. Oh, okay. So when the PlayStation came out, I obviously mm-hmm. tried getting one, was unsuccessful. I didn't get my PlayStation till about eight months after release. Okay. So I got it somewhere in like some summer of 2021. And I recall being so desperate to get a PS5 because of Returnal. Like I mm-hmm. saw gameplay for it and I was like, this looks dope. I was like, <laughs> this game looks really, really good. 
back then I, I wasn't a huge fan of um procedurally generated oh, okay. uh procedurally generated games and um oh man there's a word for it and I'm blanking roguelike right roguelikes thank mm-hmm. you I wasn't a huge fan of roguelike games but because of Returnal I got really interested in them and then I was in talks with a lot of devs who did roguelites mm-hmm. and I ended up playing and reviewing a bunch of them so I, I like them now <laughs> I, I, I like them now uh, but yeah, to me, Returnal was such a phenomenal game. Like, gameplay was insane. It looked so beautiful in the PS5. Like, I was like, this has to be game of the year. And then the Game Awards rolled around, and it wasn't even nominated. And I was like, the heck? I was How? shocked. I was yeah. I was really shocked. Because I yeah. thought it should have been nominated. It wasn't my game of the year, personally. I think my, mine was Deathloop. I loved Oh, Deathloop. Deathloop. Okay. Mm-hmm. I gave Deathloop a try, but I also wasn't a huge fan of... Um, uh, dishonored and dishonored. dishonored yeah, I I wasn't a huge fan of it. I I thought they were okay. Deathloop, I was like, ah, I I wouldn't necessarily pick it. Though I will say, It Takes Two was a fun, fun game. It I was. played it. Mm-hmm. I played it with my girlfriend, who she's in like a huge gamer. Like she'll play video games here and there. It was a struggle to get her to start Breath of the Wild, but she did dive into it. But when It Takes Two came out, I was like babe, this game is designed to be played with like your partner. And I think you would really enjoy it. And she's like, I don't know, maybe. And we ended up playing it and she loved it. It was such a fun experience. You know, we yelled at each other. We screamed. It was like a, <laughs> an IRL fight, mm-hmm. um, just like in the game. But we we definitely enjoyed it. So I could totally see how it won Game of the Year. And I was perfectly okay with it. I understand that. Like, spanning off of your answer there, have y'all played Overcooked together? Oh my gosh, yeah, that's another fight. <laughs> it's funny, right? Because like I said, she's not a, a huge gamer. But mm-hmm. every now and then she'll be like, oh, why don't we play Overcooked? And I'll give her a look and I'm like, you want to like fight? Is that what you're trying <laughs> to tell me? Like, what did I do? What did I do that you want to pick a fight? She's like, no, I just want to play a game, a fun game. I'm like, Overcooked is nothing but chaos. That's what you want. <laughs> she wants to smoke. She basically yeah. wants to smoke. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so in my mind, I'm like, what did I do that I... <laughs> you know, that I forget a special date, that I mm-hmm. not pick up food or something. It's all fun. Like, we we also enjoy Overcook, But yeah, it, it tends to be chaos. You know, we'll play like two or three levels. And then I'm like, okay, we need to stop. Because otherwise, we're going to start throwing hands. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's some of your contenders for Indie Game of the Year for you? For this year? For okay, this year. let's see. Stray was really fun. You know, I, I don't know if you saw, I have two cats of my own. Yeah, yeah. They were sitting on the couch. Yep. They're sleeping there like they always do. I'm a huge cat person now because of my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> and as soon as, you know, I saw that Stray was a thing, I told her about it and we were both so excited. We both sat on the couch and played it uh, together. So I I think, I'm trying to think what, uh, what other indies came out. I mean, there's a lot of indies that came out this year. Stray stands out to me. Uh, Would you put Beacon Pines in there? Of course, of course, Beacon, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, Beacon Pines definitely in there, especially you know for that amazing storytelling and just like how much of a surprise it was to me that visual novel game could be that interesting. Thymesia came out this year as well. Thymesia was a um, Souls like a very Sekiro Bloodborne like indie game that came I'm out. I'm currently this year. playing that. I just started last night. So nice, nice. Yeah. What do you think yeah. of it so far? Um, it is to me, it is Sekiro and Bloodborne meets Devil May Cry. Like, that's kind of how I kind of like picture yeah. it. It's almost like there's a 
arcadiness to that souls kind of genre and yep. especially when you have like the the like the it's version of like the alchemistic magic you know where you're pulling like someone's weapon from them like and then yeah. you're able to now use like a projected green lantern type version of their sword or like their spear it is yeah. very different it is it's still bloodborne in a sense to where like the action and the like the vibe is very much that gothic and quick speed kind of like nuanced action style versus like demon souls which is a lot slower a lot more methodical so it is for sure it is a game that i think is a really good game and i'm not sure where i'm gonna fall on it like score wise <laughs> yet but like it's a solid game yeah for sure yeah, I think out of the ones I mentioned, I might have to give it to Thymesia. Thymesia, I really enjoyed this year. Another game that came out earlier in the year, really amazing indie, was uh, Silt. I don't know if you got around to playing I that one. I haven't played that one yet. So give me Silt. the general pre- premise. So did you, did you ever play Limbo? Oh, yeah. So Silt is, imagine Limbo in water. Oh, yeah. that sounds interesting. It uh, it was a very neat concept when it was announced. Uh, I think it was announced in E3 last year, and then the game finally released early this year. You know, I I guess I I had a lot. I had a really good relationship with the devs. You know, from commenting on their stuff and like retweeting it and whatnot. And they actually reached out to me and they're like, "Hey, uh, we see you supporting our game, and we're really excited for our game. And like, thank you so much for all the the hyping up and whatnot." And they were super nice. They they sent me. They actually sent me here. I'll tell you as I unfold this up. But they send me they send me a code for the game to review it and test it early. But they mm-hmm. also send me a physical package all the way from the UK. Oh, that's uh, sweet. With their like marketing stuff. Mm-hmm. So they send me all of these. They're kind of like postcards that have uh, images oh. from the game. Mm-hmm. And they send me a couple of other goodies. But yeah, they, they're really awesome devs. And the game is just phenomenal. So I highly recommend if you haven't checked out Silt to definitely check out Silt. It's um the art style kind of like just now reminds me of kind of like inside, but also kind of reminds me of Hollow Knight a bit. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that so they took inspiration out of Inside Limbo, uh Little Nightmares, if you've played mm-hmm. that one. There's I'm a chicken, g- so I haven't played a whole lot of it. <laughs> no, I, I feel you. So some some indie games can be terrifying. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Silt is a phenomenal game. It has um, it's one of those stories that the game doesn't necessarily feed you the story. You kind of have mm-hmm. to like read in between the lines. But there's some really cool foreshadowing to what ends up happening later in the game. And the gameplay is really cool. It's a uh, little puzzle. So it's uh, there's four major sections in the game, and each of them have their own little unique style of play, uh, little puzzles that you have to solve. But the main mechanic is that you play as this diver who can possess other creatures. Oh, that's um, really cool. So you can possess piranhas, you can possess uh, hammerhead sharks, and you have to kind of like navigate your way through the puzzles by using the abilities that these different animals have. Okay, okay, that's really dope. Yeah. So I'm going to do an exercise with you. I'm going to read out some indie games right now. And you tell me, like, at the end of it, you tell me which ones you played, and then if any of these go in the contender spot, like contender for the indie game of the year. All right, so here we go. All right. All right. You got Ali Ali World, Sifu. You got Oxenfree 2, Weird West, Sea of Stars, Little and Little Devil Inside hasn't come out yet. Um, no, not yet. Tunic, Stray, Baron Breakfast, Thirsty Suitors. You have Silt. You have Card Shark. Let's see. What's another? Hindsight. Okay. Cult of the Lamb. Ah, that's <laughs> right. I yeah, totally forgot about Cult of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. And 
let's see. I know I'm forgetting some. Like, there's been a ton of like really there's banger been, indie games. Yeah. Coming. The, there's indie game comes out like every day. It seems like, but like, yep. Out of those, what what kind of like strikes you? Cult of the Lamb is a really fun game. I haven't played it myself, but from what I've seen so far, like it looks like such a cool idea for a game. It's fun. Yeah, I I, I definitely need to put that in the backlog of things to play because it it just looks like the art style is so cute, but like <laughs> you're this cult. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is fun. Um, it really is. It grabs yeah. you and it doesn't let go. Especially okay. if like you're starting to fall in love with roguelike games. Mm. Like it is very roguelike, but it's also like a manager, like a city manager kind of style. I see. I yeah. see. So okay. if you like both of those genres, and it's a weird mixture, and it comes together really well. Okay. Tunic was another one you mentioned. Tunic mm-hmm. was cool. Like it felt very like a Zelda game. Yeah. Um, from like a two point five D asymmetric. Uh, it's awakening I, kind of. Vibe. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, I, I did like Tunic. I haven't finished it yet, but I, um, it reminded me a little bit about um, Death Store. Mm-hmm. From, I loved Death Store. Yeah, loved Death Store, that yeah, really good game. I don't think it's necessarily an indie game, but it's also not like a huge AAA game um, called Voice of Cards. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I'm not. I don't think it technically falls under indie since it's Square Enix and. Was Square the developer or were they just the publisher though? Oh, yeah. I think I, they were definitely the publishers. I don't mm-hmm. recall if they also, uh, who developed Voice of Cards, but there's three of them by now. Um, Stray was also an indie game, you know? Yeah, so. Stray, Stray, mm-hmm. Stray was really good. Yeah, we talked about Stray. Let's see. Here, I'm going to I'm gonna have to pull up a list because <laughs> there's so many indie, let's see, indie games that released in 2022. Uh, but yeah, they, you know, there, there was there's a lot of them. I'm assuming this is the same list that you are reading. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> probably. Uh, Ollie Ollie World was one of those games that look really cute and mm-hmm. like really cool art style. I haven't played it, but everybody that I've talked to that has played it told me nothing but good things. about I've heard it. remarkably good things about it, but I've not dove into it at all. Yeah, there's so many, you know, it's it's hard to to get around to all of the cool looking ones when there's just like so many going left and right. Yeah. Another really good indie game that released our last month in September is uh, You Suck at Parking. Oh, I played that on Game Pass. Oh my God. <laughs> I had so much fun playing that. My girlfriend, like, she's like, what are you playing? And she pulled up a chair next to me and she was hooked. She's <laughs> like, this is so much fun. And I, I love puzzle games. Mm-hmm. That are like fairly simple. And, you know, th- how simple is that? Like, here's your car, go park it. But how intricate oh, they made so that game. It's so difficult. It's so hard. There are some levels that it is ridiculous how mm-hmm. hard it is to park your car. And I was like, yeah, I suck at parking. <laughs> Especially <laughs> with the ramps involved, man. Like the ramps and then like they add the, mines, like mines in the ground. And I'm like, yep. oh, this ain't fair anymore. Yeah. The 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 ones where you got to like speed up and mm-hmm. there's like the gravity, the, the fans pushing oh, you. Yeah. It became a lot really quick. <laughs> it really is. It's a fun game, though. Like it's a really simple concept that you wouldn't expect to be like really addicting. But it is. It's like so addicting. It's so fun. And it's so simple. Like I can't recommend that game enough. Yeah, for sure. Let's see what else. I got a couple other indie games. I forget exactly when they came out. Um, Did you play Trek to Yumi? Oh, Trek to uh, Trek to Yomi. I yeah. think yet again another samurai game with yeah. a nice deflect system. I did play that. I played that around the time uh, that I got my Steam Deck. So I actually played all of it on my Steam Deck, and okay. I it was a really really good game in terms of gameplay. 
story, I think it was kind of okay. You know, nothing new, nothing mm-hmm. that hasn't been done before. The gameplay was good. It did have a couple of bugs. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. were complaining that there, sometimes the game was just like unresponsive. And I faced it myself. There were plenty of times where, you know, I I could have sworn I pressed deflect in time, but the game's yeah. like, no, you got hit. But yeah, that, that, that one was good. I, I personally liked it, but I know that it did get mixed reviews. I was mixed on it. I was very much in that like middle ground kind of thing because I really love that art style. I think that art style is phenomenal, like absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah, and as a person, style. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's a yeah. person that's big into like samurais and anime. It kind of felt like a mixture of both, you know. And yeah. man, I just couldn't vibe with the gameplay. Like I really like, I really like the aesthetic of it. The story was just a simple revenge kind of quest, kind of like your typical like samurai kind of story. But like, yeah. I really just couldn't vibe with that gameplay. I feel you. It's definitely not for everybody. You know, I mm-hmm. think if the game got a little bit more polished, one of the one of the other things that I had a huge issue with was the fact that there was no chapter select. Oh, yeah. Once you finish mm-hmm. the game, you know, any collectibles and anything you had that you wanted to complete, you they were gone. You had mm-hmm. to basically start a completely new run. So I think a chapter select is one of those like must for games oh, yeah. like these. But yeah, it, it definitely had a lot of like technical little things that could be improved to make the game a lot better. Get over here! So I I got a challenge for you. I like on the show. I'm doing a round robin style game to where okay. it is. You're gonna choose your preference, and your preference. I'm gonna ask you a, like a series of questions. You're just gonna quick fire your answer without really a lot of thought. I want to see <laughs> what you come up with. Okay. All right. So let's you ready? It. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Favorite topping on pizza? Uh, pepperoni. Okay. Favorite anime character? Uh, Aizen Sosuke from Bleach. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Best Ninja Turtle. Oh, uh, um, <laughs> mm, uh, Leonardo. Okay, okay, you made yeah. it, you made it. So, who was right? <laughs> who was right, Captain America or Iron Man? Oh, Captain America for sure. <laughs> I could listen. I I've been meaning to make a YouTube video about that, but I could go mm. on a whole rant about why Cap was right and Tony wasn't. But <laughs> so. Who would win in a fight, the Mando or Boba Fett? Oh, Mando. Mm-hmm. Easy. Okay, okay. If you got sucked up by Kirby, what powers <laughs> would it get for you? You know, I feel like I have to say depression because, like, that's the <laughs> joke that everybody cracks, mm-hmm. right? But if Kirby uh, absorbed me, he would probably get the powers of being either, like, really thorough or a completionist mm-hmm. at whatever he does. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I tend to be obnoxiously thorough and a perfectionist about things if you if you, say, <laughs> if you could say so. <laughs> I gotcha, I gotcha. Your favorite Super Smash Brother character? Link. Okay, okay. What version? The one from Ultimate. Uh, okay, so gotcha. the Breath of the Wild mm-hmm. version, yeah. I gotcha, I gotcha. And... Which is funny, so that, that is my favorite character, but it's not mm-hmm. the one that I play the most or I main. Who, who that are makes, you main? Uh, Marth. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I really like playing as Marth and Roy. But, you know, Roy. Link is my boy. Yeah, Roy. <laughs> um, but Link has been my boy since, uh, like, the original game. Mm-hmm. So, I got one last question for you. Who's the better father? Kratos or Joel? Oh. oh <laughs> are you going to ask me something like that? Oh, man. Okay, if I if I have to pick one, like, quickly, right, I would say Joel. Okay. Um, What's and, the reasoning? So, my, my reasoning behind that is that Joel basically doomed all of humanity because of his love for someone who's not actually his daughter, but someone that 
you know, it's it's that saying, what's the saying where like you pick family, but your or family you don't pick, but friends you do, right? Like mm-hmm. in the sense that, you know, you're born with your family, like you didn't have a say in that, but the people that you choose to love, your friends, are the people that you pick and you stick together because you have some connection to them that's a little bit stronger than, oh, I was just born into this, right? And with Joel, you know, obviously he loses his daughter. He's really, you know, that that's completely devastating for him. But then he somehow manages to allow himself to feel, to open up again. And he falls in love with Ellie in this like father, pseudo father, pseudo daughter relationship. And he chooses, you know, he knows logically that this operation, you know, they sacrifice the one person, they create a cure for humanity. But he loved Ellie so much that he chose not to do that. He chose to protect his daughter, the person he saw as his daughter. He chose to defend her, protect her, forsake humanity because of that love that he shared for her. And just the way that he teaches her things, and the game's really good about showing how Ellie has learned all these different things from Joel. It's just so awesome. You know, even with Joel gone, like it's still really cool to see all the things that Ellie has learned from Joel and mm-hmm. the values that she upholds. And I think that just speaks volumes to how good of a teacher, how good of a father Joel was to her. Not to discredit Kratos or anything like that. <laughs> I just, I just, you know, I don't, I don't want to get my ass beat. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I would pick Joel as the better father. Okay. Okay. That's, yeah. that's some solid logic. That's some solid logic. You know, like it can go back and forth, but I think that's a very sure. solid logic. For sure. Yeah. So, Lit, it's been very good having you on the show. I got to have you back soon. I got to get your impressions on God of War Ragnarok on oh, Bleach I as would it love comes to. out. Yeah, yes, for sure. Yes, we definitely, we have, definitely have lots to discuss. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, before we go, though, where can the good people find you? So, if you want to catch up with me, you can look me up at Lit on Play uh, pretty much anywhere. Instagram, Twitter is where I'm most active. I also have a Discord server. I can send you a link if you want to share that with uh, people. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, Twitter and Discord are the best places to catch me at. I also stream on Twitch uh, pretty much every week. And you can also find me as Lit on Play. And yeah, that's uh, the places that I hang out. What's the Twitch schedule like? So the Twitch schedule, uh, I typically stream Fridays. Fridays and Saturdays. You know, if, if I have the free time, I'll, I'll throw a stream during the week. Uh, but for sure, Fridays, Fridays and Saturdays are my go-to days around uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. you heard it. You now have no excuse. You got to go follow <laughs> the man. You got to go look at his social and you got to go watch the streams. He is phenomenal. Absolute, absolute killing it as a reviewer and a content creator. And I can't wait to have you back on the show. Thank you oh. again for being on. Thank you so much. And if I may, right before I leave, I do want to give you a list of indie games that you should totally check out. They, they okay. haven't released it. They're upcoming, but you should totally keep them in your radar. Once again, I'm going to give them to you in descending order. ascending order. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you should totally keep an eye out on Mortal Right. Okay. So if you're if you're a fan of Souls like Mortal Right, is a procedurally generated roguelike game that is uh, being developed as we speak. It is planning on releasing 2023, I believe. That is Mortal Right, phenomenal game. Then you should also be on the lookout for Bo, uh, Path of the Teal Lotus. Very similar to Hollow Knight in terms of gameplay, a Metroidvania 2D side-scroller with a focus on Japanese culture and folklore. Beautiful looking game, phenomenal gameplay that I may or may not be uh, playtesting as we speak. What? What? Uh, I don't know. NDAs, right? (laughs) No. uh, Thankfully, I I can say that I am a beta tester for the game. 
I'm not allowed to show anything about it, but it is mm-hmm. it is pretty good. Definitely okay. a game that you want to keep uh, your eyes on. Of course, Crowsorn. Okay. Um, yeah, Crowsorn is a very Hollow Knight inspired game that just looks phenomenal. The gameplay looks insane. There was a demo available to people who backed up the game on Kickstarter. It is going to be the next Hollow Knight. It is going to be the next big Metroidvania game. That's exciting. Oh, yeah, it's exciting. It's super exciting. Obviously, Hollow Knight Silk Song. No need to explain anything there. But then my number one indie, the number one indie that I am most looking forward to is called Nine Souls. Nine Souls. Souls. I got to look this up. Souls as in S-O-L-S, not souls as in like your soul. Okay. It is. And you ready for this? Because this is the greatest explanation on paper. And then when you see it in gameplay, it's even better. It is the perfect combination of Hollow Knight with Mm -hmm. Sekiro's deflecting system. What? Okay. Okay, that sounds fun. I read that and I was like, if this isn't the game for me, then I don't know what it is. <laughs> there's, so, a, there's a demo available. You can check okay. it out on Steam. It is, I kid you not, the greatest thing ever. It is Hollow Knight with a gorgeous art style. Beautiful hand-drawn Metroidvania with this majestic art style. And it has Sekiro-inspired combat. Specifically, a deflect system that plays like Sekiro. Okay, that's definitely, yeah. I definitely have to check that out because that sounds like a must play. For sure, for sure. But yeah, that's kind of like the cute little indies that you need to check out. Okay, I like that. I like <laughs> that. Every time you're on, you're going to have to do this segment now. You're going to have sure. to do this. For can, sure. I can keep you posted. You know, indies are, like I said, indies are carrying my channel. So I try to keep on the loop of things. Um, I'm pretty involved with Aquapara Games, with mm. Neon Doctrine. Speaking of Neon Doctrine, another really good uh, indie game you got to check out is The Legend of Tianding. Um, right, let me write that down too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I do got to throw a little plug in there for the Legend of Tianding because uh, the devs are amazing people, super fun people. Uh, and I'm also the current world record holder for uh, the any percent category of the Legend of Tianding. What? That's amazing. Yeah. How's uh, it feel to hold a world record, man? It's insane. It's, it's <laughs> kind of crazy. You know, it's, uh, there's four people who run the game. So it's a pretty small uh, speedrunning community. Mm-hmm. But I played the game and I was like, this is so much fun. Like, I wanted to keep playing the game. So I, I was the one who started the community. You know, I made a Discord server. I made the speedrun.com page. And, you know, we've been trying to keep it updated. I haven't, I've been slacking a little bit ever since I got the world record. I haven't been putting as much effort into it as I should, but I do want to get back to it. Okay, okay. Yeah. So Lit, it's been great having you on the show. We're going to have to have you back on real soon. But I would man. love nothing more. Oh man, I, you know, like you're you're a part of the the pro nerd fam now. So like whenever <laughs> you, you feel so like much. it, just hit me up and we're gonna have you right back on the show. But until then, peace out, man. Thank you. Have a good one. That's a wrap for today's episode. I want to give a special shout out to Lit Unplayed for being on the show today. I also want to remind you that if you want me or my community of gamers to give you feedback on your video game backlog list, or if you just want to talk about some good single player games that you've been playing lately, then join us in the single player experience discord server. Once you're in, feel free to share your backlog list or just talk about those good single player game experiences that you've had lately. The link to join that club is in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope all is well with you. Stay gaming and I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace.